0: Hey everyone, welcome to New Slang. I'm your host, Thomas Mooney. We're kicking off the week with episode 132 with country singer-songwriter Rachel Brooke. I'm so glad we were able to get this one done. This past Friday, she released this new record called The Loneliness in Me. And I'm telling y'all, if she's not on your radar, she needs to be. Listening to The Loneliness in Me is a must. You're going to absolutely love the high and lonesome warble of the pedal steel and of Rachel's rich country croon. Rachel's vocals are right there with that ghostly pain that you'll hear in people like Hank Williams or like George Jones. And there's also that clever wink and sass, and that slight Yodel touch that you'll hear in someone like Loretta Lynn. And I don't say that lightly at all. She's that good. And this new record of hers, I just love how vulnerable Rachel is during some of these moments. She does it in many ways, too. It's not just straight to the anxiety or the heartbreak. She uses humor and some of that self-deprecation as well. Some quirks and charm come into play as well. A great example of that is the title track, The Loneliness In Me. It's tomatoes and true crime and just like her mind wandering off and these funny jabs at the music industry and like paying your dues and artist images and egos and so on. Which, that's kind of the funny commentary as a whole on this album and the industry at large. In so many respects, this album, it sounds like a a record that comes from the, the quote-unquote, like, the golden age of country music. It has a lot of those cues that are reminiscent of that time. And sometimes, like, country music isn't complicated. It can be just the tried-and-true tragedy. Sometimes it's that simple. And there's definitely some of that heartbreaking... Hurt so good moments on here, but she isn't boxed in by that either. This isn't a tribute record to that time. A lot of the things that Rachel talks about on this record, she does so with a modern touch, a very progressive touch, if you will. And so it's a really interesting mix of how this record can sound like a golden age record, but also have a very modern feel. And she just really balances these kind of two thoughts really, really well. And yeah, Anyway, I really love the record and this conversation with Rachel. Today's presenting sponsor is Desert Door Texas Soto. If you know anything about me, it's probably that I'm from the heart of West Texas and absolutely love everything about West Texas. And that's really why I love Desert Door so much. You may be asking yourself what exactly Soto is. Well, it's a premium spirit that's similar to a tequila or a mezcal, but for my money, It's a little bit more refined and smooth. There's a sweetness and faint hints of vanilla and citrus. And it's also as versatile as your garden variety vodka. At its core, Desert Door is authentically West Texas. They go out and harvest soto plants from the wild and bring them back to their distillery over in Driftwood, Texas. So next time you're at your local liquor store, get a bottle of Desert Door. For more info, check this episode's show notes. If this is your first time listening to new slang, I strongly suggest hitting that subscribe link. If you just did, I'm giving you a virtual high five right now. Newslang is over on iTunes, Spotify, Google podcasts, Stitcher radio, and basically any and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Go check out the new slang merch store, grab a koozie, some stickers, buttons, and magnets. Any bit helps. I'll throw a link into the show notes. And if you're into playlists, go check out Tom Mooney's Cup of Coffee and the Neon Eon playlists over on Spotify. The Neon Eon is for all your nostalgic 90s country needs, which there's going to be more Neon Eon related stuff coming your way pretty soon. And then Tom Mooney's Cup of Coffee is a regularly updated mix of new Americana and country music. It's also a really great hint at who I have coming up on the podcast. So yeah, go follow those all right let's get on to the interview here is Rachel Brooke yeah you know you have this new record coming out and it's about a month away but obviously during this year it's just it's made everything just so thrown up in the air what has uh this year done as far as uh has it changed the plans around the record or anything like that or what 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 kind of I guess extra hurdles did you run into?
1: Well, um, so last year, you know, we were we were like getting close to finishing it up. So I'm just like, oh yeah, 2020 is gonna be my year. You know, like I'm gonna get my record out and it's gonna be great and the things are gonna go good. And then um, yeah, right around March, April, um, it was just about done. I was like doing a few extra like last minute, I think we were like doing harmony vocals and stuff. And, uh, then, you know, of course everything kind of hit and, uh, I, yeah, I didn't get to go and mix it for, um, a couple months. Um, so it's kind of been, you know, I, I think it's from my original plan, it's, it's like off by a couple months, but, um, after the release, I was going to, you know, try to get some, some tour dates in October. So like my goal was to have it out early or late summer and then like hit the road in October, And so, um, yeah, I guess I've had to like, um, adjust, but, um, the more I get through the year, the more I feel like it was meant to be. Like, it it seems like things just kind of are happening kind of, you know, I feel like, well, maybe it was supposed to be like this, you know, or for this release, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm not trying to dismiss any of the awful tragedies Mm -hmm. of the world, but you know, as far as like the, the, this release, I feel like, well, maybe there's a reason why it was ready this year instead of next year or the year or the year before, you know what I mean?
0: Right. Yeah. It's uh, it's such a weird, like there's no blueprint. And that's what like the biggest thing I've, I've, you know, I've taken away from all of this. Just like from a a macro level, but then also from just specifically with artists and releasing records, there's nothing to look back on and go, well, they did it this way back in whatever year. So like, let's kind of just do that. And so there's a lot of like, just waiting out. There's a lot of like, what you're talking about right there, like, maybe we can do it in late summer, and the the US will be back to a, a level of normalcy that we able to tour at least a somewhat and right. then it just kind of was apparent like we weren't going to be able to do that either.
1: Right. Yeah. It kind of screwed things up a little bit, but yeah, I mean, one thing uh, like that I've kind of been practicing this year is just, you know what? Uh, I'm not going to, I mean, yeah. Like a lot of times you're like, you, you strict to like a, this is how it's done. I'm going to release it this, this month. And then I'm going to go on the tour this month. And just cause it's worked in the past, but this year, if there's one thing I've learned about, uh, you know, trying to release a record, it's like, well, you know what? I, I feel like I'm in control of this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like a lot of things have influenced me, but, um, you know, and the release, but I actually got to decide that I wanted to to release it anyway. You know, I mean, like I, I mm-hmm. could have maybe waited. I could have, done it differently, but I said, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. And, um, and that's kind of given me just a little bit, I I feel like a little bit of power, like personal power, you know, cause, um, I don't know. It just feels like, you know, no matter what's going on, I still kind of feel like I'm in control of me and my, in my little world, whatever it is, you know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say?
0: Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's one of those things where when, and this is like, this is one of those things where, actually, it's kind of like this no matter what, even in a world where we're not having a pandemic and we're not in quarantine, we're almost always never in control of anything. But like, we kind of have to, I think it's a a great idea and a great just kind of like lifestyle to focus on those things that you can control and, you know, be proud of like being able to like, make the decisions on those things.
1: Exactly. That's what exactly what I'm saying. Like, it's like, I, it, it's, it is, it's like this, it's given me like some weird realization of how much control you actually do have in your world and, and, and I, in your life, you know, like, yeah, there's lots of things and, you know, um, variables and stuff that happen but I think that we have more control than we give ourselves. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you just, and I, this year is definitely. Um, given me a little bit of that insight. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, I can do this. <laughs> yeah. it doesn't, You know what I mean? Like, I can decide these things. So, yeah, it's cool. It's, it's kind of a neat little thing that I'm, I guess, learning about myself. And it's kind of neat.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, it this really much tie, this ties into where a lot of the people I've talked with um, these last few months, we've talked about like, well, so you – get paused on your tour and being uh, like more so the, the business side of being an artist. How do you, how have you been able to control the, the artistic side and like make sure you don't, you're not wasting these days, quote unquote, of just being stuck at home. And the ones who have been able to find other things, other outlets, they, they've been more productive. And I think in turn, like that's just another way of saying being in control of your, your life, being in control of your art.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, I've had, um, like, yeah, a ton of time, especially, like, in spring, you know? And at first, it was, like, um, pretty dark, you know? Like, I was, well, like, last year, I had, um, just last year, I'd lost my dad. He'd, he passed away. And so I was still kind of going through, like, uh, like, the grief of that. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, so then I, and then I, you know, the one of the big things I had to look forward to was kind of like, what's going on with this. And, um, so it was, yeah, it was like really dark, but it, then I started to kind of reshape like the way I was thinking, like I purposely had to like, kind of like think, well, wait a minute, I have a lot of this time now, so I might not be able to use it exactly how I thought I would, but I'll be using it for, like, for instance, like being an independent artist, I have to kind of, um, I say, like be scrappy because um, I, you know, I'm always trying to figure out ways to like connect and like the industry is always changing and you know, always trying to learn about how to get your stuff out there and get it into the right people's hands and so people can hear it. So I had a lot of time to kind of focus on that stuff, which is like preparation for the record. So I really actually needed that. And now I'm realizing that, you know, I use that, I did be, you know, I use that time, I, I feel like pretty well. I mean, I always feel like I can I can do better. But, um, you know, I, if, the, if I didn't have so much time at home, maybe I wouldn't have been able to do that. You know what I'm saying?
0: this episode is in part brought to you by Austin, Texas's Wild Gallery, a virtual art gallery featuring traditional and contemporary art by Native American artists. As you're probably aware, I'm not just a avid fan of music and film and novels, I absolutely love visual art as well. And as you probably also know, if you've been listening to New Sling for a while, you'll know just how often songwriters, they also dabble in various other mediums and are largely also inspired by other artists. One of the giant reasons I was drawn to Wild Gallery is that all of the art is produced by Native American artists, not only produced by, but inspired and influenced by other Native American artists, history, tradition, nature, stories, music, and just culture in general. If you head over to wild.gallery, that's W-Y-L-D.gallery, you'll see exactly what I mean. I've spent probably an hour scrolling and clicking through the various pieces. There's just some incredible pieces featured and such a vast array of styles as well. Everything from newer pieces inspired by both like the American West and a bright, and bold pop art feel to more traditional, fine art oil on canvas paintings. And then obviously there's plenty of pieces inspired by Native American traditions as well. Like I mentioned earlier, they're currently a virtual gallery. What's so great about that for you is that you're able to purchase these pieces from anywhere. And with Christmas coming up, they'd make perfect gifts. Talk about just like one of a kind, unique, and probably more importantly, well-thought-out gifts that'll excite anyone from your parents, your grandparents, your in-laws, siblings, yourself, really just whoever. And also, I'll be perfectly frank, it's time we have this talk. With everyone working at home these past few months, I've been on so many Zoom calls, and I've seen so many Zoom call screenshots on social media and we really need to talk about some of y'all's home office spaces. Too often, it's just that generic desk, maybe a poster that you had from college, uh, maybe a calendar or like a whiteboard that you write on, and just those bare, bland walls. I'm just saying, we've all been there, but like right now would be the absolute perfect time to fill those walls with some great art. Go visit Wild Gallery and order a handful of these paintings that'll just really spruce up your background and make you look a little bit more adult and lively. When you're surrounded by art, you're more productive, you're more creative, and let's just face it, you're more happy. For me, that's why I fill up my walls with different art, because obviously, you walk by them multiple times a day, and you're able to like just take those little moments, you're able to appreciate all that effort and energy that was put into the art, and Hopefully that kind of inspires you to go on and do more stuff in your day. Again, that's wild with a Y. I'll throw a link into the show notes as well as share some of my favorite pieces on Instagram and Twitter. I already have a few earmarked because I'll be ordering them soon myself. Again, that's Austin, Texas's Wild Gallery featuring a blend of traditional and contemporary art by some of the most gifted Native American artists. Okay, let's get back to the episode. There's this, this strange discipline that's, I think a lot of people have learned and helped apply because what, what's, what's interesting. And I think like, I didn't really, maybe I was naive to this as well, but you know, you think, oh, you have all this time, you're an artist. If there's one thing artists need, it's time to create. And you kind of think of like, oh, well, everyone's going to be like writing or um, working on their music, their craft. But I've learned so much where, like, there's been people who have been learning the, um, for example, like, getting their live streams, like, a lot more in tune. Because you think of, like, just, like, hey, I'm going to do some live streams for uh, playing on Instagram or stage it or whatever. That's easy. And it comes out, like, where it's, like, oh, to make it really great, like, you actually have to, like, learn all these little things that maybe you didn't necessarily. So, like, I think, like, that's right in line with what you're talking about is, like all those things, like the discipline of, of, of doing, of being an artist, but like having, cause like you said, you're an independent artist. You have to like have all those things, um, all those tools as well.
1: Exactly. And yeah. And if you're, um, at least for me, you know, like I kind of separate them a little bit, you know, like there's, there's, uh, you know, the, the creation of things and then there's like the technical kind of stuff. And, um, and I I somewhat enjoy working on that kind of stuff too, you know, but, but yeah, it's like, you need time for that too, you know? Um, and, and I, I got it this year to, to kind of learn and I'm still learning, you know, there's still not, or I still don't know everything to know, but I, I, yeah, I I got some time to to practice. So that's good.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What I, I thought for myself, like it was, it was so easy to just, you know, oh, I've, I've you know, I've not done anything today. That's not too bad. And then like, all of a sudden you're like, where has the week gone? (laughs) And like, I, that's where for me, I just had to do like a, you're not going to do this. (laughs) Like, You're not going to waste this time. So, right? um, yeah. Did, did you have any of that kind of feeling where you just like felt like, Hey, you know, like, I guess like a moment of clarity or anything, or did you just kind of fall in line and start doing it, start working on figuring things out?
1: Um, I don't know. It, it's kind of like, uh, I got to a point Like there always has to be like this moment, like a revelation in my life. It's, it, it's, and it usually comes f- like fast. So yeah, I wasn't necessarily like thinking about it. I was just all of a sudden like, you know what? I got to get to work here. <laughs> I better get to work. You know what I mean? Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I am guilty of, uh, falling into like, I mean, I, I don't, want to say like a depression, but I, I guess it is, you know, I, I just, I don't ever like to like use that term loosely. Um, but, uh, where I, I kind of just, yeah, I drift off for weeks at a time and I, and, and, it's, and I don't even want to think about it. Um, I don't like dealing with anything or anyone, And then all of a sudden it kind of like comes back around again for me. And then I'm just like, like super, High speed, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. um, so it's kind of trying to navigate that kind of stuff too, you know,
0: yeah, you know i I kind of go through a lot of stuff like that too, and i I too don't try and because I think like depression is such a serious word, um, mm-hmm. and I don't want to like dismiss other people's uh act- like people who actually have depression or you That's know what I'm what saying, I'm saying. Right. yeah, and so like. I do feel like every once in a while I'll go through these little like hazy kind of fogs of just Mm -hmm. kind of like, nah, you know what I mean? Like, and you're just kind of like, uh, for me, I don't even know. I I don't necessarily think like I feel like, oh, woe is me? But it's just more like a, um, what's the point? Like, I don't know. I always have like those kind of feelings. (laughs)
1: Uh, oh my god! I'm up and down. Like you would not believe how my my I can swing, how high I can swing, and how low I can swing. Uh-huh. <laughs> like seriously, it is not pretty. Um, it's yeah, and you, and you don't really know when it's going to happen. Uh, no, I hear you totally, man. It's like it's it's tough to kind of get, you know what I mean? But I know that I'm not alone. I mean, I think that everybody has the has is like that. I think it's more common than most people think you know, um, especially when you're, um, you know, really working towards something or, you know, like, or if you're creating something, I think it's, it's typical for you to have like really, really good days. And then like the most awful bad days and trying to like, you know, move forward in between all that (laughs) is, uh, is a challenge sometimes.
0: Yeah. I, I think like, you know, a, I think that a, that yes, everyone like 90 Nine point nine percent of the population has like these kind of moments um mm-hmm. and is that like just because that's like the human condition that's humanity that's just like what we are and uh or is that like also partly because of societal pressures and like um expectations and you know like being overworked and all those kind of things? I, I don't know, it maybe it's like a blend of those things, and um maybe like I don't know we. First off, I do think like, yeah, we need to be more open with it, but also I think like maybe just, um, allowing yourself a little break helps Mm -hmm. as well, just like for just more clarity in your life.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I think, I think you're right on with that. You know, like I'll, I'll, uh, once in a while I'll be like, you know what, I need to just like shut down for a little while and that, you know? Uh, give yourself like because otherwise you're gonna get burnt out on 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 what, whatever it is that you're doing. You know what I mean? Like people need time to just like stop, especially yeah, like what you said. I mean everything is just so fast nowadays. You know what I mean? Um, I think that if you know people just need to stop, and you know, and especially I feel like for artists and and, and people who create things, um, that's like the perfect time for them. You know what I mean? Like to to be able to be open to the to whatever inspires you to, you know, cause you're always just like going, 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 trying to get to whatever it is you're doing next. Like at least for me, I'm always thinking ahead always. And it's, and I'm not, not usually in the break in, in the moment, you know, and uh, I, it's, it's kind of hard for me to always catch that, but um, I think it's really important to stop, yeah.
0: you know? Yeah. Well, that's, that's such a weird thing too. Cause Um, being like ahead, like always thinking in the future and not being present because like you, I think like we always kind of just put like these little, I don't know, milestones that you're like, you're looking up, you're looking forward to and you, they may be the, the smallest thing, but you're always like, once that happens, the grass is going to be greener and then you get there and then you almost don't even enjoy it.
1: Yes. (laughs) That's exactly my life. Like right there. (laughs) (laughs) Like seriously, I'm always like that. That's why I feel like I'm addicted to like living to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And I I remember somebody was talking to me about that. There's actually a word for that. Um, I can't remember what it is, but it's like once I've got to like something that I've, that I want to do or that I've always wanted, I always have to have the next thing to look forward to or the next goal. It's a better way to put it, I guess. But yeah, I'm always, you know, but I, I, I don't have that feeling of like, you know, being let down after I've, um, done something I've wanted to do, you know, like I don't have that feeling of like, oh man, now I don't have anything left. I, it's like, I, I need that next thing. Like, that's what keeps me going. It's like pulling me forward. So I guess it's good, you know, to have like goals and stuff like that. But, um, it's also just as important, I think, to be in the moment, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To kind of, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Just there's, feel good.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's probably some like old German psychology word that like that that's, right, like, for this exact feeling that we just don't have a word for. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um yeah, you know you you talk a lot about uh, or you talk about this like I feel like this feeling the those anxieties, those that unsureness in the title track and but you you blend it with like some humor and some like, you know, um, some of the quirks of your personality and like, um, I guess like, does, is what, what is that song? Like as far as, am I, am I?
1: Yeah, no, you're, yeah, you got it. It's like, so, um, yeah. So when I, I'm talking about always dreaming up tragic potentialities, like that's exactly kind of like what it is. It's I'm, I'm always thinking about not just, I guess, goals, like what we were just talking about, but like always thinking about thinking ahead. Like, what if this happens? Well, what if this happens? What, you know, and then like in, in my way, and I think this is also like a common thing with people with like anxiety and you know it's like you're always you feel better when you thought about a possible outcome of something because you're prepared for it you know what i mean and but really it's just it's silly because um you're not really truly like living in an actual moment in time you're living in something that isn't even real you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying so uh i don't yeah i don't know it's just it's really really kind of crazy but <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, like that song has a lot to, especially like that lyric is me being at home worrying, and which is a common thing in my life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that's it's I feel like I'm talking to myself in a lot of ways because I do the same thing as far as like just the worrying of things that or like just the the not even necessarily worrying, but just like putting too much effort and time into thinking about just something that's a hypothetical. That's not like even like, this isn't going to happen. So quit like just thinking about it. And you know, it's like that mix of like worry, fret, daydream. And then like, you're like, how did I even get to this point? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm
1: a huge daydreamer. Like I, I, I almost like need it in my life, you know? And, um, like, I don't know what it is. It's just like, yeah, it just makes me, or, you know, thinking about anything that could possibly happen in some ways, makes me um, feel better, even if it's like worrying about like bad things. But I was gonna say, like lately, I've been um, like trying really hard to like to re like I guess pay attention to like my thoughts. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, wait a minute, what if I think about something really bad? And because I'm thinking about it, I'm actually making it like reality. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, so I'm speaking like,
0: in, like speaking into existence type of Yeah.
1: Yes. So I'm like paying attention right now so much to like my thoughts because I'm like, I'm, like, I'm only going to think about good things happening. You know, like I'm trying to like train my brain to only think about possible good things because that's the stuff I want. You know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, right. So if I start catching myself thinking about like the bad things, like I'm like, no, 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 no. I can't have that happen.
0: <laughs> yeah. We, I think that like the, the silver lining or like the the positive side of this that I feel has been that, you know, the, I've always daydreamed too. And I've always just kind of like lost get getting lost in, in thought. And, um, like When I was working, like, my my dad, I worked for him for all growing up. And I was always just, like, never, like, would get the job done, like, uh, the way he wanted it that quickly. And it's partly because it was, like, I hate sweeping and I hate doing stuff like that. Um, But it's also because I would just, like, get lost in my own thoughts and just be, like, thinking about other things. But I think that, like, all helps down the line. Um, Obviously, I'm not a songwriter, but being a journalist, I think that's helped. Uh, for you, being a songwriter, I feel like that's had to have helped the the creative side and helped in just writing in general. Um, but also, like, the one little thing I was going to also bring up is, for me, I think during this quarantine, that's actually helped me because I'm, like, more than fine and comfortable, like, being by myself and isolated. And, like, just kind of, like, being able to just be comfortable within like your own mind, even though like we're talking some in these little points of like being uncomfortable for some reason, I think that's helped me cope with all of this 2020 isolation better than the average person.
1: Well, I think, I think you're right because you don't have everybody else's thoughts and, and opinions being also brought into your own brain. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. uh, not that you have to, you know, not that people's thoughts and opinions are, at all based in fact you you don't know anymore you know what i'm saying but um it's but yeah if, if you don't have to like necessarily be around those things and you can you have more control you know like that's what i'm, I'm i was saying like you get to kind of get you know control about what you think about how you work things out whatever they are with you know being you know being alone <laughs> it's nice except for those few times where you start thinking about really bad things and you're alone.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, then that's, yeah, that's tough.
0: Well, uh, going back to the, how has it like helped you be a songwriter? How has that like helped you, um, you know, like form narrative and these, uh, these hypotheticals that you may not necessarily even be like a part of.
1: Well, I think that, um, it's pretty much been a part of every, anything I've written, um, coming up with like, um, like a story in my, in my head. Uh, I've always like, when I write, it's always a picture. So it's like, you know, like when you're daydreaming and stuff like that, you're seeing like images, you're like, you you can see it just like you're watching a movie or something. That's how, um, all of my songs start. They're, they're like a picture in my head and i see them and i can kind of focus on them and i'm imagining things you know and then somehow i i have to like pull out what it, what it is that i'm saying based on the picture <laughs> do you know what i mean mm-hmm. do you know what i'm trying to say it's like i have to like any song that i've ever written and it's usually it's it's like beamed somehow into my brain in a picture form and i have to like decipher what i'm trying to say in word mm-hmm. so um yeah, like the daydream part or just thinking about it. That's like the the basis of of everything I've ever done. Yeah.
0: You know, like I one of the, I guess and I, listeners are going to go, "Oh, you've brought this up like 18 times now." But uh, <laughs> uh I think like the biggest thing I've gotten out of out of all this this year is that you know, I think we romanticize you guys as songwriters as like the when you pick up the guitar or sit down at an instrument or whatever, and then pick up your pen and paper and bam, you're starting to write a song and we romanticize that part and we focus on that part and that's great and everything, but there's all this like space before all that and space after that is like equally, if not more important to songwriting and all of this, I feel is like that before, before, you actually even put it into words. that's like, you're, you're writing then.
1: Yeah, no. Um, I'm sorry. I thought I lost you there for a second. Um, are you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, there is. It's like, um, well, like it for me, like there's, yeah, you're right. There's like space before there's like space after there's like all this. It's like, it's in, in some ways it's consuming for me. Um, It's not just like, hey, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write a song now. It's like, it's been like working itself up for a while. And I might even just start with like a tiny word, like one word that just kind of feels like it's special to me. And I don't know why yet, you know? So, um, yeah, it's not, it's never like, I'm going to sit down and write. It's mostly like, um, kind of like days or weeks of working on, at least for me, I don't know how it is for everybody else, but mm-hmm. you know, like getting ideas and like, and then like, of course, I have to have that inspiration to actually do it. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't like, I'm not like saying I'm waiting for inspiration because I, I definitely don't wait, but um, it just has to be like, yeah, the right moment, I guess, even though you've been like maybe, Thinking about it for longer than that moment, you know what I'm saying?
0: Mm -hmm. Letting it marinate. Yeah, trying to work it out some way, even if it's just like in a abstract. Just thinking about it. This episode is in part brought to you by the Blue Light Live here in Lubbock, Texas. There is a way to help a support Blue Light and B get a sense of that normalcy by visiting bluelightlubbock.com, clicking on the merch tab. And getting some koozies, a vast array of t-shirts and caps, and yes, even a blue light flag. While it is such a bummer that live music is still on hold right now, I'm telling you, by getting some blue light live merch, you are going to feel better. It just feels better wearing a t-shirt and ball cap and helping support your favorite bar. Again, that's bluelightlubbock.com. Click on the merch tab. Get some merch. All right. Back to the episode. I know it's it's different yes. every time, but like, how long do you, you just mentioned, you know, days or weeks thinking about stuff like that. Um, how, how long do you typically let those, those moments kind of, how long do you typically think about a song before you actually start writing it, I guess?
1: Um, well, Let's see. Um, it kind of just depends, but I would say like, I'll get an idea, but it's not the right time to sit down and write it. So like, I'll get like, I mean, and and sometimes I get ideas that are just like, I can't let them go. Like, uh, I I can't stop thinking about it or whatever, you know? So like, it'll, it'll kind of like sit in my brain for a while and I'm constantly thinking, but I can't sit down and actually write it. So, um, but usually if, if that happens, I'm like, I'll, for the most part, write, um, something down just to kind of get that thought out of my head, you know, so I can kind of like, it, you know, let it go a little bit. So I'll write it down. And then within the next week or two, maybe a week, I'd say like, I'm at least starting to write it. And it's, um, I used to write like in one sitting. So like I'd sit down and it would kind of just kind of flow, but now it's different. It's like, I I don't know what it is, but I'm, um, I'll write, and like I'll write something down and then I'll write a little bit more another day and I'll be thinking about it still. And I'll just kind of keep coming back to it until it's done. So um, I don't know, I'd say maybe a couple weeks
0: weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting about like, you know how you've, I guess, evolved as a songwriter. Like, you know, I think it's so natural to think like at the very beginning in your early stages, writing it all in one time, and then, you know, gradually getting to a point where it's like, yeah, you work, you're working on it over a longer period of time. That's interesting.
1: It is because, um, I really feel that, um, when I first started writing, it was very much inspired by how I feel, mm-hmm. you know, um, how like I was feeling at the time. So I was feeling sad or somebody hurt me or something, you know? So I'd sit down and I'd write it and it it really just kind of came out the way it did but now I I feel like I I care more I care more about what I'm actually saying, so I try harder. So I think that's why I, I kind of split it up is because I'm taking a lot of time into figuring out exactly how I want to say it. You know what i you know what I mean? Like when mm-hmm. when people say you know like you're writing a letter to somebody and you're angry, so you write it all out and you, you know, but you don't send it because you know by you know if you wait a little bit while and you go back and look at it you know, maybe you decide you don't really want to say those things. So it's kind of like similar, I guess, where I, I want to make sure I'm saying the exact, exact right thing, you know?
0: Yeah. A little bit more intention, uh, being more intentional with, with what the, I guess like the real essence of the song.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, do you have like a, a better time of day that you like to, to ride in?
1: Um, well, I feel okay. It's weird because I, in like, when I'm most inspired in the morning when I'm drinking coffee, and like, I just oh man, it's just like I get really I get good ideas and stuff in the morning. Um, but I actually like to work on those ideas at night, like when I actually have time. My like my brain's just a little bit more like relaxed or something. I don't know what it is. It's dark. Um, you know, it's quiet. There's not much going on. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I get. The ideas usually in the morning and then at night I'd like to just work on them so uh, yeah, yeah morning and night well, yeah you know, those are
0: obviously like times where not just like your house is typically more quiet but also like the neighborhood or wherever you're living just naturally is like just more quiet in the mornings there's that crispness and and the same thing with night. It's like you just have, every, everyone's going to bed and like, or going, it, you, know, yeah, no ya, you know, yeah, no one's
1: going to bug you. You know, yeah, not that you know I get bugged by people. I'm not saying that, but you know what I mean. You just like you know, for the most part, everyone's gone to bed or they're watching TV, and you know that like you know you can actually focus on something that you want to finish. You mm-hmm. know,
0: right? Yeah, I've I've had this like, I've talked about this a few times where, um. I'm sure you're familiar with, like, the movie The Shining or the book The Shining, right? Right, yeah. So, like, Jack Nicholson's character, he, obviously he goes fucking crazy. And he has these moments where, he, like, he's had that mental break. And, you know, one of his big things, though, is, like, don't bother me when I'm working. And <laughs> it's so funny, like, watching that as a teenager and thinking, oh, my God, he's fucking crazy. And then, like, watching it as, like, older... uh after I've been doing journalism for a while and being like, you know, he honestly kind of has a point. Like he's not like uh, expressing those feelings in the best way, but like he does have a point on like how just, you know, being interrupted can just break where you were in a, uh, or or where you were trying to get to. (laughs) Yeah,
1: no, exactly. And um, I think, you know, it's true though because like so I have like a four year old he'll be five in, in November and uh, oh it, that's I, I mean I get that 100 percent you know it, it's hard because when I'm with him during the day when he's awake I try really hard to be present with him you know because mm-hmm. um, for the most part like if I'm if I'm just alone my head is daydreaming uh, thinking about you know I Like my husband says, it's like, I, sometimes I am not there, you know, my, my head drifts off into a whole nother place. And so like, I try really, really hard to be with him. So it's not even possible really for me to like, you know, work, um, when I'm around people. So it's, uh, yeah, definitely like that alone time at night is everything to me because I have to be able to not be interrupted and not distracted. And you know, not, you know what I mean? It's, uh, if, if I actually want to get things done, you know
0: what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. No, I, I absolutely understand what you're saying here. Um, going back to that title track, The Loneliness in Me, it has like a, a really funny music video with it. Mm-hmm. And so like you're sitting there on the couch eating tomatoes, um, just like they're apples. Uh, yeah. Is that like, okay. I don't know. Like that's never been anything I've ever really seen. I guess people do that. Is that is like is that one of your things that you like to?
1: Yeah, you know what's weird is that I've always done that my entire life, and I'm just now realizing that not a lot of people do that. <laughs> like, I, yeah, like I've had a few people say that they're like, "Oh, wow, you eat it just like an apple or, or whatever it is." You know, like they 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 remark on it, and I was like, "Yeah, you mean that's." I, and, you know, I, I always thought that that was something that, you know, people did. But I, um, oh, I love it. Yeah, it's I've done that since I was just a little kid. My dad, um, he, he always had a real big garden. And uh, I think I, I must have learned it from him. And, yeah, we go out there with a salt shaker and just eat them like apples.
0: Yeah, see, now that makes a lot of sense right there as far as, like, learning it from, you know, family, your father, Having a garden, like having a garden, I feel like if all of us had gardens, everyone would go, oh, that's a natural thing. Uh, right. You know, like... You, yeah. Um, the... Now, it would be weird if it was like an onion or something. That would be like maybe <laughs> yeah. a um,
1: Which, you know, I I think people do that. Yeah. I think i Like, <laughs> people have told me that they do that. Ugh.
0: I think they're in prison. They're psyched. You know. um, yeah. Actually, like my little brother... So, like, I lived in a small town and we would go to um, like a, a bigger town to sometimes buy like better groceries and stuff like that. And when my little, I guess like my little brother is like 14 years younger than me. But one time when we were coming back home and we had bought all these groceries and stuff and he's probably like three or four years old and he's in the back seat and all of a sudden he's like really quiet and my mom's driving and I'm sitting in the front seat and we look back there and we, th- I thought he had gone to sleep and he had gotten into like a big, uh, container of cherry tomatoes and had like just been eating those. And Ooh. that's why he was quiet. And, <laughs> and so, oh, yeah. yeah, he, he's a, he's a full on tomato eater like that. So <laughs> does
1: he like them a lot? Does he eat
0: them a lot? Uh, I don't know about now, but like, <laughs> he's, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, um, I don't know, that kid was crazy. As a child.
1: Yeah, well, tomatoes are good. I mean, um, it's, it's fun. You know, I, 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 kind of put it in that, that, uh, video and stuff like that because I have them on my album cover. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just kind of wanted to kind of tie that together. But, uh, it's, um, it's, uh, I don't know, it's becoming, you know, people ask me about it, which I guess I, I should have, you know, saw it coming, but I didn't really,
0: Well, like you know, just kind of like, Oh yeah, there's the
1: tomato again, yeah. you
0: know, but, my favorite part of it is that like, you know, it's, it's like part of the routine of, 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 of your life in that video of like, you know, you come home, you know, your husband comes and he's got it on a tray <laughs> with the salt and stuff like that. So it's like, Oh, this is like a normal daily occurrence. And you know, like you're being waited on in your, as you say in the song, your quendom. So, um, yeah, you you mentioned like how you're watching like the 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 television murder shows and stuff <laughs> like that. That's like another rabbit hole we could go down. Um,
1: oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Like I specifically wanted that in there where it's like, you know, I'm watching like murder like murder lifetime murder mystery TV or something like that, you know, cause that stuff scares me when I'm watching that stuff. You know what I mean? Cause then it's like, then I'm like, I don't trust my husband anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like, wait a minute.
0: Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's the whole, the husband did it or like the guy driving the creepy van. Like there's, <laughs> there's reasons why they're like the, the cliches or the whatever they are like that. That's a, there, There's a reason why they're around. And it's because like, that happens.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It always is. It's like if a woman gets murdered, usually it's like some guy that she knows, Mm -hmm. you know, like I am not trying to, I'm not, you know, I just like, I was like, wow. You know, those, you know, I don't, I don't makes me like not trust anybody.
0: Not that I do, but (laughs) you know, always suspicious. Yeah. Well, it's, it's also like important to, to be aware of, I think like people need to be aware that like, of, of their surroundings and I wanted to talk to y'all one more time About our new partners at Desert Door And offer up a handful of my favorite ways to drink it Get you a Mexican Coca-Cola Have a couple of swigs Then pour yourself some Desert Door Oak aged in Toss in a lime wedge or two Or how about this, pour some Desert Door into a mug Top off the glass with some ginger beer Squeeze in a lime Or for all you ranch water drinkers out there Get you a Topo Chico Take a couple of pools off, and then pour in some Desert Door. Toss in a couple of lime wedges, and now you have a mighty tasty and refreshing ranch water. Remember, Soto is as versatile as vodka and has a more refined, smooth, and a more complex palate than tequila. It's rich and balanced, and and whatever your go-to drink is, it'll make it that much better. And again, it's inherently West Texas. It tastes like home. For more info on Desert Door, check our show notes. All right, that's it for Thomas Mooney's cocktail minute. Let's get back to the show. Getting back to the record, uh, one of the things that I really like about your your sound and like the 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 feel and the mood of a lot of these songs is that um the space in a song. Like you're not filling these songs up with just a bunch of instruments or anything like that, and that creates a that longing vibe of, of a lot of these songs. How intentional is that as far as like trying to create the, those kind of moods for the specific songs, but then also the album as a whole?
1: Um, well, you know, I don't know if it was necessarily, I, I have to try, like, I feel like I trust myself to make the decisions that I did. Um, you know, I, what I do is I just kind of listen to the song, you know, and I and I kind of feel like should this have this instrument and should it be and, and then how much of it and and just kind of like let it guide, I guess, like my feelings. You know what, I'm, you know what I mean? Like so um, each song was looked at in, in its own way. Um, and so if like, for instance, like one of the songs doesn't have much of anything except for, um, it, you know, it, it's very like sparse except for like my vocal and then like some really, I try to get like this really rich, like vocal, um, harmony vocal. And, and I wanted it that way because I, yeah, I, I kind of felt like that's what the song was, was saying, you know, it was kind of like, um, very, uh, um, I guess lonely, and, and kind of, um, you know, not much not much going, like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't really want too much distraction. Mm-hmm. I wanted it just to kind of speak for itself. Um, and so, like, for the whole album, I, I guess maybe you're right. I, I guess I didn't really think too much about it, but maybe it's because, like, the songs are kind of lonely. Maybe that's why it came off the way it did, you know, um, with kind of that big open longing kind of feel, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that like, obviously, like back in the day, the reason why some of those, so many of these great songs had that space is because you didn't have nearly as many channels to record. But now, I think people utilize the space, uh, or can utilize the space, and it helps. Just like I said, create those moods, and I feel like you almost have to be aware of it as as a as an instrument like that. That you can give the space around for example like your vocals like you're saying or like the any of the pedal still work and let it like let it have more of a focal point and be a just something that's like important to the song, right? And um you don't have to fill it up with all these other things just because we can do it now.
1: Yeah that I make all the time is um or you know like when I'm recording and stuff is like this doesn't need this, you know, it sounds better without this or, you know what I mean? Like it's, or it just feels better without it. So like you mentioned like the pedal steel, um, there's this, one of my all time favorite moments of the, of the album is uh, this pedal steel solo that he does in uh, ghost of you. And it is just so like, it's, it's just him basically, you know, and, and, you know, just like the rhythm, but to me, it just adds, this really cool feel to the song. And then, and then because of that, it adds like a really cool moment on the album. And it is so, I, yeah, it's, it's just perfect. I I don't know if you've heard that part, but, um, Mm -hmm. it's one of my all time favorite moments. And it was a specific thing because we had, um, Violin, or I should say fiddle, also. And I said, no, 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 it just needs to be him. He needs to have like this moment because it's not even necessarily for him. It's just, it just was a perfect moment, I thought, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of times I think that people think of instruments as maybe like the, just like the, the the base of the song, right? Like the, the, the foundation. And granted, like it very much is, but like sometimes, instruments like the pedal or the fiddle or guitar or whatever can be like the, in a lot of ways, like maybe turn these songs into duets where like you're one voice and then like the other instrument is like another voice. And I, it, when it works, it works. And like, I think people sometimes don't necessarily think of instruments like that.
1: Right. And, you know, that's actually a pretty common thing for country music, too, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, especially with like the pedal steel and the fiddle. You know, it's that like it it almost is like a response to uh, what the singer is singing, you know, and that's kind of it's kind of cool. But um, yeah, I love it. It's it's just like a um, pretty classic country kind of thing. You know what I mean?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like this record is about like eight years after your last solo album you've ha- you've worked with on a few other albums in between that time. But um with these songs right here, were they like, I guess like how, how big of a period were these songs written in or some of these like super old that you've just kind of had in your pocket waiting for your next solo album, or did they all kind of come in a, a, I guess like closer time period.
1: Yeah. Most of them kind of came at and and. Uh, I would say, a six-month time period. But, and there was a couple that were a little bit older. There were small ideas, like a, um, the beginning of a verse, but, that we had for a couple years. Um, and then one of them, I keep forgetting about this one, but uh, the oldest one is the Lovell Stockade Blues. And I, I've had that written for um, at least five years, if not a little bit more um, and I just kind of, I was like, eh, I'll put this on something one day. And then while we were kind of putting like the record together, I was like, I wonder if I should put this on here. Like I almost didn't because it f- didn't feel like it, f- it was like, uh, of the same moment, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, um, we did put it on there and, uh, we just kind of create like, you know, in the studio, it became a part of those songs by just by being, with them. You know what I'm saying? Like it was, it's just kinda like it even though like the words and, and everything were, were years old, it it kind of has a new life now. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. So um but yeah for the most part they were they were written in the same group. I'd say probably um let's see there's twelve songs. So I would say probably eight, nine of them were written all around the same same time within about six months.
0: Yeah. The uh that song The Lovel Stockade Blues that's one of those where there's like that timelessness to it where I had a, like I was searching on Google to see if it was actually like a cover, like of an old traditional or something maybe, but yeah. Yeah. Like there's just like, there's a, there's a piece of that song that just kind of fills from like another time in space.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, it's a, it was kind of, yeah. I mean like during that time, I mean, you, you can tell that it's somewhat different Um, Because of that, like it kind of does sound a little bit like more classic. I don't know, not classic, but I guess older in some way than the others. So that's kind of, you know, um, that's why I was like, well, does this fit? Does this fit on the record? But I think it does. I think it kind of adds another little flavor to it. So Mm -hmm. it works out pretty good, I think.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, like the it's, and I don't like, it's, I feel like that may have come off as like, not a compliment. Like, no, there's no way she could have wrote this, but (laughs) no, like to me, I just, it felt like there was like, just, it felt like a little bit like maybe you had, uh, cause I know like that's levels is, um, a town in Michigan. That's where you're, where you live, right? Yep. That's
1: where I'm at right now. So I didn't know
0: like, if that was like maybe something that was just very regional or something, you know, like, uh, so I don't know. I I think it's a great song and it, it works. So, thank you. Yeah. Well, um, you know, like whenever you're putting the the record together, and there is a song like that that is a little bit further back um, from a different time period, I guess. Like as far as like when you're you're trying to figure it out, or do you do you often like how do you put together? I guess this record. Do you kind of get all the songs? that you've written that have not been cut and like actually get them like in, like write them down and kind of get them in piles. Or is there just like where you go, well, I know these are these eight or nine that are from this time period, they're automatics, but I need to like add some more stuff to it, complement it. I guess like, what is that process like uh, on this record as far as building the, the album out?
1: Well, um, Yeah, it was it was kind of like, you know, I when I had the idea to finally sit down and start writing, I I didn't have a process in mind. I just said I just have to start writing songs, and um and that was really the only way for me to to do it because, like, looking you know from the very beginning and then looking towards the end goal, it just seems so far away. And I was like, I I can't overwhelm myself too much, so. what I did was I just started writing and writing and writing. And then, you know, like I got to like maybe eight songs and then I, and then I started to think, well, I have this one, maybe this one would, would sound all right. And then, um, you know, maybe I would, uh, I, I guess what I'm, what I mean is like, I, d- I didn't really think too much about it. I just kind of let it be, you know, like I would write the songs and all of a sudden they were there. And then it's, and then like, I, I took like the level stockade blues and I, and I kind of added that one in. It was an old one. Um, but You know, even the ones that were a couple years old, um, I definitely wanted to work on those. Like, it almost felt like they were a part of this process. And so um, I I brought them in, and I just kind of, yeah, we had twelve songs. Magically, somehow, twelve songs came together. (laughs) Um, And then I actually, I, I did a a cover that I didn't put on the record. I, I recorded it during that same time, but I decided not to put it on.
0: Yeah, what song um, was that? What's that? What song was that?
1: That was um, it's a it's a song called um, She Still Comes Around, and that was a uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. It's it's during his like country um, like country phase, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's such a great great song, and I kind of changed it around just a little bit, and so in, you know I kind of sing He Still Comes Around. Um, but I decided to just you know, it's there, it's it's recorded and kinda of ready to go, but I decided just to kinda of hold on that one, you know. I wanted I, I just felt like it kind of um distracted in, in a weird way, like from from the songs that we wrote and we created and, and not that I mean I love covers. I, I love singing covers. I love um I love when people do them. Um and I just thought, well, I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like it might be a distraction a little bit. And, and so I saved it. And so maybe one day I'll have it on something or if somebody ever has like a Jerry Lee Lewis you know, CD or something and they need a track, maybe I'll submit for it or something. But um, yeah, we'll see. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but it's out there. It's, it's floating around.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, that's one of those things that I, I feel like that's also like a discipline for, for you as, as because it's like you know I think it's 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 one of those things like uh oh, we've recorded, I've got or let's just just hypothetically, I've got like eighteen songs, well, let's cut cut them all like and uh sometimes like yeah, like records don't if you cut and trim around and make it more of an album, I think like people appreciate it more, and you at the end of the day kind of go, I made an album versus." you know, oh, I should have like maybe cut those two or three songs or, you know, like that, right. that middle, that record, the sweet spot of like eight to 12 songs, 13 songs is, is just like sometimes perfect. And sometimes if it's a little bit more than that, it's, it's like, yeah, you said, like you said, it, it can be a distracting or something.
1: Right. And you don't want to put something on there. Like, at least for me, I don't want to put anything on a record that I I don't feel like, goes with it, you know, like I don't want to put something that's weak on it. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm sure like every artist would Mm -hmm. agree, you know, you you don't want to put stuff on there if it's filler, you know, you want the whole thing to just stand alone and, and be strong, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I think that's such a, you know, when you're a young artist, I know like here in Texas, a lot of times, like it's like, I'm a, I'm a songwriter. I started writing songs. Um, I've got like, Ten songs now. Time to cut a record. And yeah. like, let's just like cut them that's, all. Yeah. And, and
1: it's, so uh, all of my first records were. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And I, and I think that's like a natural thing, right? It's. um Yes. I mean, it's it's the same thing, in as as far as comparison goes with with journalism. I almost like used to always overwrite, and I still overwrite. But what I've learned to appreciate is when an editor will like go, "Yeah, this is like a good piece," but like let's just cut it out because like a, for starters, like now when people are reading stuff, their attention spans are shorter, but also like,
1: uh,
0: it it just, it makes the, all those things, maybe uh, your points stronger, even if like there was something really cool about what you said here.
1: Yeah, no, I, that's, I totally get that. A lot of my old songs on my um, records are very long and, and I, and I say, um, more on those old songs because I, I'm I have a lot to say, you know. Like, mm-hmm. but it's true. It's like sometimes you can say more by saying less, and that's almost exactly what I wanted to do with this record. Is um, kind of cut back on my on how what you know how much you can say, but really just be very meaningful with the with the few words, you know, mm-hmm. and really try really hard with those like few moments of, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I was the, I feel the same way. I used to like, I mean, I have a couple of songs that one is six minutes long and one seven. It's like, geez, oh wait, I can't believe I did that, you know, and, and but whatever, you know, they're out there and um, people seem to like them, oh, you know, but I don't do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like, obviously I think it's one of those things, like if you had, if the, if the song you were writing now needed to be six minutes, it would be six minutes. But right. probably, like, it's, it's just one of those things, like, again, I think I go back to the space. Like, some, like space is necessary in, in art, and it helps, like, uh, make the things that you said more impactful and more of a focus on that, more of a focus on the instruments mm-hmm. or whatever the case, the mood. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to ramble on here.
1: Uh, yeah, no, that's okay. I'm a rambler. I'm sure you can tell by now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, I think it, like it takes two people rambling because like what I always hate is uh, when someone's just, look, uh-huh, yeah. And then just like, <laughs> nothing. It's like, you can say something if you want. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I'll, I can talk and talk and talk and sometimes I'm like, oh man, I shouldn't have said that. Or you know what I mean? So yeah, mm-hmm. no, I can, whatever the topic is, I mean, I can, I have no problems yapping away, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's been really fun talking with you and yapping away this afternoon about this record and tomatoes and stuff. Oh, yeah. No,
1: yeah. I uh, I know. This, is, this has been a great conversation. I'm so
0: glad. To All right, that is it for this one. Be sure to check out The Loneliness in Me by Rachel Brooke. Go stop by our presenting partners over at Desert Door, the Blue Light Live, and Wild Gallery. All right, I'll see y'all later this week for another episode of New Slang.